A vegan superhero is a new breed of athlete. Stronger, healthier, and driven by purpose. Vegan superheroes wage war against society's status quo and win. Vegan superheroes battle the forces of evil that profit from the suffering of others. Vegan superheroes take a stand for what they believe in and prove the haters wrong. If you ask the meatheads and clueless fitness gurus, they'll tell you that what we're doing is impossible, yet it's happening every single day. Vegan superheroes inspire change, spread compassion, challenge the status quo, and fuel the revolution. Our mission is to help you become a vegan superhero. Welcome to the Vegan Gym Podcast. What's going on, everyone? We have a very special guest today. We have Coach Ben on the podcast. Uh, ben is one of our newest coaches on our team, so it's awesome to have you, Ben. Thanks, Leif. Really excited to be on here talking to you, and uh, it's a pleasure to be on the podcast. So I'm awesome. looking forward to jumping into that. Cool. Let's do it. So uh, today we're going to be talking about your genetic potential and kind of the role that genetics has in the process of your fitness journey. So this is actually something that we haven't really touched on in detail for this podcast. And I noticed a recent Instagram post that Ben uh, posted where he was talking about kind of the role that genetics plays in your fitness journey. And I just thought it was really interesting. He had a really uh, good perspective on this that I wanted to share with everyone. So really looking forward to having this discussion. And I'd love to start by asking you kind of what is your background uh in fitness like where what have you kind of gone through and i guess we can kind of get into the uh genetic potential stuff in just a little bit but kind of what is your background um in fitness and kind of how have you gotten to this point no it's a really good question so i think growing up i always enjoyed being active you know being outside with my friends um it was very much at a time where smartphones and social media and everything hadn't really been on the uh, the rise yet so yeah. it was still the time where people were just kicking the ball outside and would go down and play football at the park with my buddies, um, soccer, uh, whatever it was. And so when I was younger, I tried out a ton of different sports. So um, soccer, basketball, I played like um, youth tackle football, even into like freshman year of high school. Um, and I found that throughout my years, I was always kind of very middle of the pack with, you know, athleticism. Like I enjoyed the different things that I was doing, but I didn't necessarily have like a huge passion for them. Um, I was involved pretty heavily uh, in the swim team uh, at the pool that I belonged to. And I was a lifeguard there. And I remember ever since I was kind of young, just not being really comfortable with having my shirt off or um, just wearing clothes that were kind of like tight fitting. Like I can even think back to elementary school, like I would wear like baggy sweatpants and like football jerseys just because they were comfortable and they didn't really um, show off the features that I didn't really like about myself. And I, you know, my parents were always very uh, supportive and talked positively and instilled that in myself but I think it still took a while for me to and I, I mean still to this day uh, kind of changed the way that I viewed myself and my body so there was definitely a lack of self-confidence growing up um, just the way that I felt about myself and as I mentioned just like not wanting to take my shirt off at swim practice on the beach um, as a lifeguard uh, all things that I kind of thought about it's and, a little difficult to not take your shirt off when you're like a lifeguard <laughs> and at the pool and stuff. Oh, <laughs> yeah, it, it, it was tough. Um, and so I just never really felt that great about 
my I think I tied a lot of my identity to the way that I looked. And I think that there are a lot of people who can probably relate to that. Um, just like growing up, kids can be kind of mean, you know, teasing and poking fun here and there. And, you know, there were a couple of times where I got called like chubby or, you know, one of those terms. And I think it definitely, you know, thankfully I'm somebody who uh, I don't really take that stuff to heart too much, but it definitely hurt in the moment. And uh, I'd say it took about, I mean, it took pretty much until I started getting into fitness that I started to shift my, you know, my frame of mind around the way that I viewed myself. And, um, you know, that's part of the reason I got into fitness in the first place was because I didn't like the way that I looked. And I figured that if I could change kind of my external appearance, maybe that would help me to feel more confident. And uh, so basically, I would say about halfway through college, I started to read more about uh, nutrition and training. Um, I was studying exercise science at the time. I actually went into college undeclared and found that after about a year, um, thought that I wanted to be a physical therapist. And so um, I found this kind of uh, book on uh, nutrition and training that uh, my dad had purchased. And I was pretty lucky. It was uh, by a guy named Mike Matthews, who um, is has written a lot of like science-based content for was it bigger leaner stronger it was yeah okay awesome that That was one of the first books that i read and i was like oh man this is that really opened my eyes to like wow this is this is possible for me and like it uh yeah just really solidified lots of the principles i still practice to this day so a very good book yeah so that was kind of like it's interesting like some people would pick that book up and be like oh this is this is so boring i don't want to read like how could you read this? And I read it and I was like, this is awesome. Like, I love reading this stuff. And I think kind of my motivation at first was just like, okay, if I'm going to work with people, uh, and I was still thinking, um, physical therapy, but like there was in the back of my mind, you know, personal training, there are lots of different things you can do with a degree in exercise science. So I wanted to know a little bit more about that outside of my studies and, uh, started reading that book. And, uh, I was talking to Jake about this earlier, but essentially like I, I started reading about how you'd have to like weigh your food on a scale and this sort of thing. And I was like, oh, this is too much effort. So I, I threw the book aside for like a week or two. And then I was like, oh, I'll come back to it. So I started reading it, um, brought it to the beach one day, finished the whole thing in one day. And then I was like thinking about it for about a week. And then I was like, you know, what? I'm just going to commit and, uh, and try this thing out. So essentially I started tracking all my nutrition and uh, started going to the gym and training. And for the first time in my life, you know, I started to see uh, my body fat going down and I was getting more kind of defined. And to be honest, it was pretty addicting, like coming from somebody who was overweight all their life and hated the way that they looked, uh, suddenly feeling like empowered by the fact that, oh, it's really just like math. I just need to figure out like what I'm, how many calories I'm eating and, you know, like the energy that I'm expending through activity and I can lose weight and it's not like there's something wrong with me and I have you know some genetic defect where I'm like I'm doomed to be overweight for the rest of my life like I think back to some of the times when I was a kid and some of my friends uh it just seemed like no matter how much they ate they were like scrawny like super skinny and they would like destroy like entire pizzas and just like bottles of soda and I was like I was like, how do you do this? Because I was, you know, I struggled with my weight and I saw these people eating more than I did. And I was like, there's something wrong. Like they just have 
some genetic thing with them where they're able to stay lean and I'm not. Um, and something that I came to realize when I started learning about this stuff was like, oh, it's not the fact that there's something genetically going on here. It's just, you know, they are eating this food and like they're taking that and, you know, being these balls of energy, like out on the playground. Like I didn't really, I thought I started to think back to what these people were like. And these were the people who were like always fidgeting in class, like running around, like being like the crazy, like spazzes on the playground. And I was like burning tons of calories. Yeah. And I'm like, Oh, it all makes sense now. Like it's not just some thing that they have and I don't have. It's actually can be explained through like, you know, movement and thermodynamics. So that was a really big realization for me. Um, I'm wondering if you have any kind of experience with that or you've seen that at all. In your yeah, life. I have noticed that same thing. And uh, back when I was kind of skinny and I really didn't have the physique that I wanted, which was basically all through uh my younger years up until like i got to college and that's when i started getting into fitness and my body started changing from that but i was really skinny and basically all i did was what you were talking about i was playing outside i was either biking or playing basketball with my friends we were just always active when we weren't in school we were doing something active so That was obviously part of it. And then I got into cross country and I would just run for miles and miles a week. I would do 40 plus miles uh, basically every single week. And that's also going to burn tons of calories. So I had that same experience. And it's interesting that you bring this concept of uh, you said, oh, it's all math when it comes to like nutrition and training. And if um, and I actually haven't really ever looked at it from that exact perspective. Um, but I have, when I go into the gym, I'm always thinking through the lens of physics because I, so I, um, my background's in engineering and everything math and physics related is stuff that I can really just kind of just understand. And it's just like, it's a little bit more intuitive to me when you have a background in math and physics. So, looking at um at things like thermodynamics when it comes to energy balance and calories in versus calories out uh looking at uh weightlifting form and um how you're just moving things in the gym everything really comes back to very basic physics principles and then there's obviously lots of math involved in all of that so if uh you're listening and you're like hey i hate math i hate physics that's totally fine. You don't actually need to know math and physics in any serious way to accomplish your fitness goals. But, uh, that really, I guess that, that was what made it, uh, easier for me to just kind of start understanding these things that I, um, from like, uh, like Mike Matthews book or something like that. So yeah, I've had very similar experiences. Yeah. I think you bring up a good point there where it kind of demystifies the process of like getting in shape or body composition, um, like assigning like numbers and values and equations to things. And it's not just like this kind of un unidentifiable area of like, how do I get there? It's, you know, there's a process and there's ways that you can figure these things out. Um, like I was 
just thinking back to when you were talking about physics, like all the physics classes that I took when I was in school and thinking like, oh, how is this going to apply to anything I learned? And then I took biomechanics and we started learning about like um, joint angles and um, lever arms and all this stuff. And uh, like you said, this doesn't mean that you need to like nerd out like like we are about these certain things. Yeah. Um, but I think it's helpful to know that it's not just like this uh, unidentifiable process, like there is a method behind it. And if you want to know kind of like why certain things work, you can get there through like the scientific process and figuring those things out. Yeah. Yeah. People say that all the time about math and sciences. Like, how is this going to be relevant to life? It's like, it is life. This is like, (laughs) (laughs) this defines the world in which we live. And uh, especially things like physics, physics, chemistry, uh, biomechanics, whatever it is, these things have a really direct application to life in general. So yeah. Uh, and that doesn't, again, that doesn't mean that you need to really understand these things, uh, at a super deep level, but just understanding, um, at a basic level, some maybe principles around like thermodynamics when it comes to energy balance, uh, or calorie kind of calorie intake versus calorie expenditure. Like that is, a very basic uh, foundational principle within thermodynamics <clears throat> within thermodynamics that is helpful to understand for kind of accomplishing your fitness goals and being able to weed out the information that is not based on science and not actually helpful. So I just find that to be uh, really fascinating. So anyways, you went to, so you go to school, you start changing your body composition Uh, What was your experience as you started seeing your body transform and how did that kind of change your confidence? So it's very interesting that you bring that up because I think oftentimes the perception that we have is that if we don't like something about ourselves in particular, like our bodies, and we change that thing uh, on the outside um, and our insecurity like stems from that thing that once we kind of get what we were looking for, um, then that will fix everything. But I think that um, it's not always the case. I think that it's not actually the fact that you achieved that thing that you wanted, like you got the body that you wanted. It's what you learned about yourself through the process. I think that was like a really powerful thing for me to realize. And that's actually what made me kind of like fall in love with the whole fitness lifestyle. And that process was like, even if it was taking me a while to get to where I wanted to go, I was learning things about myself along the way. And that is really actually what helped me develop that confidence in myself and that self-efficacy was like, if I put in the time and the effort into understanding something and uh, take actions in order to uh, get me to where I want to go and I'm consistent with things over time, um, I will see results. And I'm, I'm kind of fascinated by this idea of like what you put in is what you get out. And that is one of the things that I love about fitness. It's like you're, uh, what you yield from the process is exactly what you put in. It's a very one-to-one exchange. Like if you go into the gym and you train hard, you'll get good results out of that. If you go into the gym and you don't trade hard, you won't get as good results. And it's like a similar thing with nutrition as well. And I really liked that like I had control over like my outcome um, of what I was doing. And so I think it's also really interesting that you don't I love this idea that you can't buy a great body. So it doesn't matter if you have billions of dollars, you still need to be putting in the work just like anyone else. And I've always 
found that to be a really level playing field. And that's one thing that I absolutely love about fitness. So you can have people who are born into wealthy families, but, um, you can't be born into an amazing body. <laughs> like that's something everyone has to show up and work for. And I have kind of gleaned the same, uh, takeaways from my fitness uh, journey as well. And I think that's, that's a, a really powerful part of fitness. Totally. It's like, comes back to this idea of like, there are no shortcuts. Like you, if you want to get to the point that you uh, want to be, you need to find out the things that you need to be doing to get there and you need to just do them. Um, and kind of going back to what you said in terms of like how this changed the way that I viewed myself. Um, I would say that, you know, like making some of these body composition changes and like, you know, feeling better about the way that I looked. I, I don't want to downplay that. Like that definitely does have an impact on how you feel and how you you know present yourself to others. Like if you feel good in your own skin, then you're going to be able to be more of yourself in front of other people. I actually think that that is kind of what it's about. It's like, are you afraid or like, are you not able to be fully yourself around other people because you're thinking about like, I don't even feel comfortable in my own skin. And, uh, I think training for me and having going through those like um, that body transformation allowed me to feel confident in expressing myself um, in front of other people and not feeling, you know, like conscious about like I, I even think back to middle school and high school walking around wearing shirts and like feeling like I had to suck in my stomach as I was walking around. Like I remember that all the time. And I, I just like was reflecting on this the other day. Like I don't do that anymore. And that was, that's just like one less thing that you have to devote your energy and uh, mental space to. And I think that the more that you're able to be kind of that true reflection of who you are around other people, it, it only, you know, radiates positively in your life. Most people, I don't think truly understand how much of a role self-perception plays in everyday life. And, uh, I was actually just talking about this with Anders recently. We were talking about confidence and the role that confidence plays. And if you legitimately, uh, like the way that you feel and, and look, that is going to, uh, totally transform how you show up in your relationships, how you show up in your career, how you show up when it comes to pursuing things that matter to you and working to accomplish your goals. It's just brings it cultivates a much higher level of confidence that just positively impacts your entire life and that's really the main takeaway that i've gotten from my fitness journey is just being able to be in a place where i can authentically live the way that i want to live and pursue the things that i want to pursue and not feel held back by uh not believing in myself and that's been a total game changer for me I love that. And I think fitness can be an analogy for life in many ways, which is why I think it's important. Like somebody might look at it from an outside perspective and say like, oh, that's just vanity, like trying to, you know, get that dream body or that sort of thing. But the kind of things that you glean from that process are so valuable. Like understanding that if I want to improve my relationships, there is work that has to be done on my end and it's just not just going to magically get better. Like if you want to change your body, there's work that has to be done and it's not just going to magically get better. And I started to notice that in all aspects of my life, like whether it was my education as well, like um, just thinking back to middle school and high school, 
things kind of naturally came easy to me. And when I got into a more competitive environment, I had to uh, work harder at that. And uh, just understanding like nothing comes easy. And uh, I think like you've talked about the fact of like choosing your hard before. It's like you can make these decisions and it's, it's going to be hard either way. So um, I think the path for me that I found to be the most fulfilling is um, leaning into the challenges and the discomforts and understanding that I need to put in the work if I want to see improvements in, in all areas of my life. And I think that fitness can be a really powerful example of that. Exactly. So we've both gone through pretty serious uh, physical transformations and mental transformations through our fitness journeys. And we both started kind of, um, well, I started being more on the skinny side and then I started uh, kind of getting into fitness and I didn't really see the results exactly that I wanted. Um, and I started getting, uh, building a little bit more body fat than I was comfortable having. And I kind of, uh, got to the point where about a year into my vegan journey, I would kind of classify my physique as kind of being skinny fat, which is, which just means that, um, I have higher kind of a higher percentage of body fat and a relatively lower percentage of lean muscle. And that's just kind of how, how my body felt. So I wasn't like really overweight, but I just wasn't, I didn't feel good in my body. And it sounds like you've kind of been in a few different areas as well with your physique. And now I feel uh, like truly happy and confident with what I've created in my fitness journey. And, uh, I'm proud of my physique and what, what I've accomplished. And I'm not the biggest guy. I'm not the strongest guy, but I am really happy with where I'm at. So, and in most people look at me or lots of people look at me now and they say, wow, you have uh, great genetics or like you have, uh, you have a physique that I would like to have as well. And I'd like to do that. Like, uh, but I don't have great genetics, so I don't think it's possible for me. And I think if you go back and you look at my old pictures, you would say the same thing about me. I would look back at those and say, Hey, I don't look like I have great genetics. I used to be my same height, uh, at 130 pounds when I graduated high school. Uh, so just under six feet tall at 130 pounds, that's a pretty skinny dude. And then I started, uh, getting, um, like a few years down the road, getting more of that kind of skinny fat physique where I started having a little bit more muscle, but I also had a higher percentage of body fat and I didn't really feel comfortable in my skin. So I've gone through kind of lots of those phases, but you look back and it doesn't, it doesn't appear that I had the genetic potential to get to where I'm at now. And I, I imagine you probably feel similarly. Definitely. Um, kind of similar to what you're saying. I feel as though my physique could also probably be described as like the, the skinny fat look for, um, my entire kind of growing up and most of my life. And, uh, that was actually something I said in, in my caption on the Instagram post was like, I guarantee you, if you ask somebody on the street, like, or, you know, someone who's into fitness, the, the image of me on the left when I was, uh, 19 or 20, uh, uh what do you think the genetics of this guy are? They'd be all oh, terrible genetics. And then you yeah. look at the photo <laughs> of me on the right. Oh, amazing genetics. And I'm, I'm yeah. just thinking to myself, like, isn't that funny? Like the fact that just looking at two different points in time can be perceived entirely differently and it's the same person. And I think it comes back to like 
you don't know what your genetics are until you actually put in the work and you're doing things consistently. So if you want to know your genetics, you have to be nailing these factors for many years on end, you know, like, okay, let's say you want to train for 10 years. If you train consistently for 10 years and you nail your nutrition consistently for 10 years and you get good sleep consistently for 10 years, then maybe you can start to get a good idea of what your genetics are. And I think it comes back to like, I truly believe you can build a great physique no matter your genetics. You have that under your control. And, you know, just like thermodynamics, there's no way to break that in terms of fat loss. Um, with muscular adaptation and progression and overload, uh, if you're doing the right things, if you're going into the gym, you're progressively overloading over time, you're eating nutrition to uh, support your training, you're getting good sleep, you're managing your stress, you're doing that pretty consistently over a long period of time, you're going to have an amazing physique. There's there's no way around that. Yeah, that's that's a really important point that if I could go back and tell myself kind of anything when I was first getting started, it's that you are capable of accomplishing these goals that you have. You are capable of building a physique that you truly feel good about, feel confident about. And I firmly believe that every single person listening to this episode has that same potential. And it's up to you to realize that. So I'd love to uh, kind of define a little bit more about kind of what genetics means. And we can just um, kind of, let that set the uh, kind of foundation for the rest of this conversation. Absolutely. So I think there are a couple different things that individuals might consider when they are thinking about genetics when it comes to body composition. So um, probably the most relevant ones being to muscle growth. So how much muscle can I expect to put on over you know the course of a lifetime? Fat loss can be a pretty quick process, but muscle growth is a very slow process. Um, so that is typically where people are more concerned is like, okay, what is my genetic potential when it comes to muscle growth? And so one of the areas that I think it comes up pretty often is testosterone. So um, testosterone is a hormone. Um, it's important for both men and for women. And it is something that can be kind of cultivated and um, gained through, you know, just the process of resistance training. Like if you go and get your testosterone checked and uh, it's on the lower side of things, um, I think one of the first things that you might want to consider is looking at your lifestyle factors. Like are those contributing to an optimal environment for you to have a good hormonal profile? Like kind of all the things that we were just talking about with getting a great physique, I think are similar things that um, are involved in uh, having normal hormonal levels. It's just like exercising regularly, eating well, getting good sleep, managing stress. Um, you might go in and get you know your testosterone checked and it's super low and uh, the doctor says, okay, uh, we're going to put you on uh, hormone replacement therapy or something like that before even thinking about some of these lifestyle factors. And I think that can be um, pretty detrimental because, you know, it's still ignoring the underlying issue and it's, you know, replacing it with some sort of uh, band-aid saying like, okay, let's just, you know, let's replace your hormones and let's let's get that back into check um, before even considering some of the things that you could be doing, you know, simple changes you could be making every single day that might have a really big impact on that. 
Yeah, and that will end up uh, actually destroying your body's ability to produce uh, kind of these pro uh, these hormones over the long term. So, yeah, that uh, a a pill or quick fix is never kind of a long term helpful solution. And kind of going off of like testosterone's importance in building muscle, um, there's been some research that looks at okay. Uh, testosterone is found in kind of these normal physiological ranges for men and women. Um, and some people might go in and get it checked it checked. And let's say it falls within that normal range. Um, but they're on the lower end of things, um, within that range. And somebody might say, Oh, my, my testosterone is, um, you know, it's quite low, uh, on, on this given day. I think that's actually another really important thing is like with these testing methods, um, you could go in one day and it would be like, you know, moderate to high and you can go in another day and it could be on the lower end. Like the uh, testing methods are not the most consistent for these things. So let's just say you go in, even if it is, you know, accurate and consistent, let's say you go in and it's on the lower end. You might think to yourself, oh, I have low testosterone. I'm, I'm doomed for building muscle. This is never going to happen for me. Um, but there has been some research out of Stu Phillips lab, who's a um, researcher in Canada, who's done a lot of research in um, protein and also in resistance training. And they looked at a couple studies and they observed no relationship between the, your endogenous, so your natural kind of circulating levels of hormones and uh, hypertrophy, so muscle growth after a resistance training program. So I think it's important to say that if you're in this normal range, you know, if you're on the higher end, if you're on the lower end, it's probably not going to have a really significant impact on your potential. And the thing that is most important perhaps is like if you are maybe below some of those ranges, again, what are the lifestyle factors that you can um, perhaps modify in order to get you in that normal range? Um, and then still after that, if there's an issue, then maybe that's a case where you're talking to your doctor and figuring things out. Um, but I think kind of jumping to that as the first thing, instead of thinking about what are some of the other um, modifiable um, actions that I can take uh, is kind of can be a recipe for disaster for some people because it is a commitment for life like TRT and these other things. Um, it's kind of handed out, you know, pretty willy nilly these days, just like you go in, you get it checked. It's low because of um, the standard American lifestyle and some more people are going on it. And uh, it's kind of just like this quick decision. And then, you know, it's a commitment for life. You're having to do that. And there are side effects and there are all these different things. So I think um, testosterone is something that, um, you know, it's important. You, you like if it is really low, that, that, that is something that you can kind of figure out. But in general, I would say you need to be looking at these other factors first. So there's no real kind of main thing that I would look at in someone's, uh, kind of physiological makeup that would say, Oh, this person is going to be an amazing athlete, or they're going to accomplish this amazing, uh, uh, physique. They're going to build this amazing physique through their fitness journey. So there's no real thing that we can look at in the re uh, according to research and say, Oh, this means that you have good genetics. And this means you don't have good genetics. Exactly. That's, that's exactly what I'm saying. And, uh, maybe if, you know, some of these lifestyle factors that you're not doing are pushing you outside of that normal range, you know, pushing you lower then getting those kind of optimized could bring you to a place where you're doing better. But then it's again, you know, how, how much muscle and how well can you get results in the context of, you know, what you're given? It's like, let's say your potential is here. You might only be getting here with the 
current lifestyle habits that you have. So you can push yourself to there. It's just a matter of making sure that you're nailing all of the basics consistently. Yeah. And that's really every single time I look into the research, that's what I'm always coming back to. It's like, okay, yeah, this this thing might have a little impact on my fitness potential. This might have a like 0.1% impact on my fitness potential or this or that. But at the end of the day, it really comes down to what are the things that uh, contribute 95% plus to the, my potential when it comes to fat loss, muscle growth, athleticism, whatever I'm trying to accomplish. What is the, what are the main things that I can focus on? I, I've always loved the, um, the Pareto principle. So the 80, 20, 80, 20 principle, uh, which basically says like, uh, 20% of the stuff that you do produces 80% of the results, or, um, you can kind of chop it up either way. But the, the, the main point here is that like, Hey, what is the like 95% of the stuff? Uh, or what is, I guess, no, what are the 5% of the things that I can do that contributes the 95% because people get so focused on like, Oh, well this, this new supplement I could try, or like this new, uh, fitness tip or this workout hack or this kind of diet or something like that. They are jumping from one thing to another. They're looking at like that 90 five percent of uh stuff in the fitness industry that's just kind of garbage instead of focusing on like okay am i uh am i focusing on my nutrition am i consuming enough protein am i uh getting enough sleep am i training with intensity a few times a week am i doing the main things that actually matter over a long enough period of time to see the results that i want so i think people just uh they'll jump to genetics or anything else and uh, want to, yeah, use those as excuses or try to figure out how to uh, like biohack these different things. And it's just, it really doesn't produce any results. I like to call that majoring in the minors. So people exactly. people like yeah. to focus on the, uh, the small pebbles instead of the big rocks. And I think part of the reason that this is a trend is because the things that actually get results are not sexy and they don't sell. It's, you know, those, those, habits consistently implemented over time the ones that you just talked about and uh it's really easy for somebody who maybe you know they have a great physique on instagram uh they are giving out these weird exercises or supplements or kind of just things that seem like okay maybe they have some kind of secret that i don't know about that uh is getting them the results and uh, they can get away with it because they have these um, amazing physiques. And so people think, okay, that's how they got the results. Like they got them from these things that they're promoting. Or even if maybe they don't think that, um, you know, overtly, that's kind of like the subconscious association is like, okay, this person has a great physique. These are the things that they're doing. This leads to this. Um, and I think what you don't really see behind the scenes is that uh, – they probably did the basics. They just don't talk about them because it doesn't sell and it's not flashy and they won't get attention from it. So they're doing all these kind of weird gimmicky things to get people to come. And so people will come, they'll try them out themselves and then they'll say, oh, you know, these tactics worked for this person. They didn't work for me. I have bad genetics. And it, it just goes like it goes in a loop and you don't see that these people are you know, either using some kind of, you know, enhancement on the side that they're not talking about or they're in other words, steroids just to clarify. Yeah. yeah, Performance enhancing drug um, that they're not talking about or 
they kind of built the physique that they have doing the basic things. But again, that that's just not what keeps people coming. Um, and yeah, the, anyone who tries their, you know, their weird tactics and, and results and they don't get, you know, they don't see the same things. They're starting to think, okay, I have bad genetics instead of like, oh, I just took bad advice. Um, so again, it comes back to like finding the right information. And I think that that is honestly one of the really powerful things about um, getting a, a coach to, to guide you on that process is like if you've spent years kind of trying to sift through what is good information, what's bad information. And it's really difficult these days with the amount of just sheer I guess, information that's out there, like on Instagram, on Facebook, like wherever you are consuming your information, there's lots of things that are conflicting and it's hard to know. Oh, like I, like I hear this all the time. Oh, like, oh, I read a study that says this and I read a study that says this. You can find a study for anything. I think that's something that people say, but it's like, yeah, you can find a study for anything, everything, but like, what is the overwhelming evidence saying or pointing towards? And it's, you know, it's, it's not easy to interpret those things for, for people who don't have like a background in that. So um, getting a coach to kind of help you, uh, uh, help to guide you through that process and make it so you don't have to worry about, am I doing the right things? Like you're going to get to that genetic potential sooner because you're going to be doing the right things earlier and you're going to uh, be actually knowing and being confident in what you're doing instead of wondering and maybe like you've been doing things wrong for five years and now you think you have terrible genetics because you thought you were doing uh everything correctly the whole time and uh it just it just leads down a path that is uh not productive so yeah i think most people most people think that they don't have good genetics and uh the simple fact of the matter is that most people do not put in the level of effort required with their nutrition, with their training, with their sleep, with their hydration, with their uh, self-development and mindset developments. They don't put in enough effort into those things to actually see the results that they want to have, yet they will just chalk it up to having bad genetics. And I think pulling yourself out of that loop is out of that cycle is really important. And those are the people who actually accomplished results. So we were talking uh, before we start recording about kind of how um, if let's say you were able to know if you had good genetics or bad genetics, like how would that actually be helpful? So could you talk to that a little bit? Yeah. So I think I, I posed this to Leif. I was like, if somebody had in their hand like a note card or a piece of paper and it said like we have the results of your genetic testing like do you want to know if you have good or bad genetics and i would say no keep that away from me i don't want to know at all and the reason that i say that is because i think if somebody told me that i had good genetics i wouldn't necessarily consciously do this but maybe unconsciously i start to take it a little easy in my training be a little bit less um, consistent with my nutrition. Oh, you know, I can get a couple hours less of sleep tonight. It doesn't matter because um, I have good genetics, that sort of thing. Um, and then if somebody told me that I had bad genetics, then maybe I'd be like, oh, what's the point? Like, this is unfair. Like, I'm never going to get anywhere uh, with these genetics. But I think kind of my message and takeaway from that thought experiment is that regardless of which camp you're in, you know, like you have bad genetics or you have good genetics, the only way to kind of get the best results with what you have is the same path. Like it's the same thing regardless. And 
if you are just going to accept that what you've been told or what you think about yourself is true and you're not going to you know do anything about it then it's going to be a self-fulfilling prophecy like if you think you have bad genetics and then you say i'm doomed and you don't do anything about it and you don't get the body that you want then okay like like you got what you wanted but was it really what you wanted like yeah. no you wanted the results and the only way that you would have gotten there or even known if you could get there is by trying and by giving you know your best effort going forward consistently yeah i love the quote uh hard work beats talent when talent doesn't work hard that's one of my and absolute it's, favorite it's, quotes <laughs> it's, that's exactly what it is but just take talent out and replace it with genetics so hard work beats genetics when genetics doesn't work hard i love that <laughs> and that's like that's exactly how i view this and truly what do you have to gain by knowing whether you had good genetics or bad genetics like Okay, at the end of the day, what you can only do what you can do. So do what you can do and see what you can get. But like, it doesn't matter what your genetics are. Like at the end of the day, who cares? And there are so many examples of people who had quote unquote bad genetics who went from being skinny or skinny fat and started building a physique that they were truly proud of. They started building strength that they that made them feel really powerful. They started building confidence that really leveled up their lives. You have lots of people who were extremely overweight and then they ended up losing that weight and kind of building a lean fit physique. And and um, we often uh, people tend to look at these these examples and think that these are just anomalies when in reality, they're just people who said, you know what? Screw what I've had in the past. I'm going to show up differently and do whatever I can to change the, my past. I'm going to do whatever I can to change my narrative because I want something different in life. And then they just go out and get it. So at the end of the day, that's the, that's a secret. Like genetics is not going to, um, uh, first of all, I think people way overemphasize the importance of genetics within the, the fitness industry. And there, are, as we kind of touched on earlier, there's no real kind of hard science behind uh, quantifying the extent to which genetics plays a role in your fitness potential. However, um, I think that is also kind of an indication of the fact that it doesn't have a huge impact because there is no clear uh, correlation between any of these kind of biomarkers or physiological markers that can clearly show, Hey, genetics does play a massive role and we can quantify it because there's just an abundance of evidence. So even though there's no clear number, um, there are, I, I, I always come back to this, um, this, uh, to like the role of genetics in cancer, because that's something that I have kind of direct experience with. And in going through a, a cancer diagnosis, like prior to that, I had thought, oh, genetics are uh, basically determine if you're going to get cancer, if you're going to get heart disease, if you're going to get uh, Alzheimer's or any of these other kind of long-term uh, diseases. And in going through that process, I really started diving into the scientific literature and um, the studies that have quantified the extent to which genetics plays a role in these diseases. Um, they, they have these researchers have arrived uh, at a number between five and 10 percent. So five to 10 percent of uh, the um, cases of cancer, uh, heart disease, Alzheimer's, all of these kind of long-term, uh, diseases 
can be attributed to genetics. And I have, um, I have a feeling based on what I've read in the research, uh, relating to, uh, kind of muscle building potential fitness potential with regards to, to genetics that is probably on the same order of that. And I don't have an exact number for, for that, but, um, as I referenced earlier, I think the, the fact that there is no really clear kind of, uh, um, uh, correlation with any markers is actually an indication that uh, there isn't a huge impact of genetics uh, when it comes to your fitness potential. So I think that's a really important, um, that that's important to keep in mind is that I don't think genetics, I think genetics are way overblown when people are analyzing uh, the impact of genetics on their fitness journey. But then at the end of the day, regardless of what that percentage is, uh, in how much genetics contributes, it doesn't even matter at the end of the day. So like why even spend mental energy focusing on that? Or, um, and I think in the vast majority of cases, all any genetic information is going to do is actually hold you back from accomplishing your goals. And, uh, at the end of the day, you just do what you can and see what you can get. Yeah. And something that came to mind as you were speaking there is like uh, most people, I don't think you want to be like a pro bodybuilder. Like most people, that is not you. Like maybe that five to 10% matters if you're that individual. But for most people, you just want to like look good on the beach or feel good in your own skin. And you can do that no matter what your genetics are. That That is something that is completely achievable. And going back to those people who, you know, maybe had starts that would have indicated that they didn't have some, you know, they didn't have great genetics and they were able to get these fantastic results. These people are not people who kind of sat and moaned and said, oh, like my, my genetics, woe is me. I can't do anything about it. These are all people who decided to, you know, take control and say like, I do have, I do have control over this thing. I can change it. I'm going to do everything I can. And that's how they got their amazing results. It wasn't the genetics. It was the hard work and, you know, nailing all of those variables over time. Precisely. So are there any other kind of main points that you want to communicate when it came to genetics? No, I think we've gone pretty deep in here and cool. I think it's been a pretty comprehensive discussion. So uh, I've said my piece and uh, I think it's important for people to know, like anyone can great build a great physique. You just need to be consistent over time and, and nail the right things. So, yeah. Awesome. All right. Well, thank you so much for sharing your knowledge. And uh, I think this is a really important topic to just put out there and just um, kind of eliminate some of those kind of limiting beliefs that people have when it comes to their fitness potential through the lens of genetics. So thank you so much for your time, Ben, and uh, really appreciate you listening to this episode. I hope you got a lot out of it and we'll see you on the next one. We really hope that you enjoyed this episode. To take the next step in your vegan fitness journey and get access to all our best content for free, check out theveganjim.com. We'll teach you everything you need to know to torch body fat, break through plateaus, build lean vegan muscle, and supercharge your health. Get started right now at theveganjim.com. Until next time, peace, love, and gains.